0: Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope.
1: Welcome to Hope Talks podcast, and our topic today is covering Africa on BBC. Edi worked at the BBC Swahili service for over 20 years. His target audience was the Swahili-speaking region of Eastern and Southern Africa. We are hosting Mr. Edy Saif to give us an insight into the world of BBC broadcasting. Welcome, Karibu, Mr. Edy Saif. Thank you very much. Nawe we Karibu, that's good. Should I, should I call you Id or Mr. Saif? Id. Ed. Ed is fine. Okay. And yeah. I am Kefa Sinoga, yeah. your host. Call me Kefa. Kefa, you're welcome. Thank you. I, I hear elders or oh, distinguished people like you are greeted by the Swahili word, shikamo. Is that right?
0: That's right, Mara.
1: <laughs> shikamo,
0: well, um, originally, it came from the coastal uh, cultures, okay. from Lamu all the way along the coastal line. Okay. Um, uh, That was, uh, originally, it was a master against uh, slave or what. They would wash their feet. That's the way of greeting them. Okay. They say Shikamo mm-hmm. Marahaba.
1: Okay. Shikamo Idi. Marahaba Malangu Kefa. T- tell us about yourself. Mm. Who are you as a person? Um, My name is Id Saif
0: Luvenga. I was born in Barara 67 years ago. And I grew up here. I went to school in Barara. And then later on, I went to... I did my first courses at Radio Uganda. And then another course was in the USSR then, that is Russia. Then I came back to radio. From radio, I joined uh, Uganda Television uh, for several years up to 1982. During that time, there were skirmishes here and there. That is war. The overthrow of Idi Amin. After the overthrow of Idi Amin, it was chaos up to 1982. I think, when the NRM
1: came in, with Yeah, Museveni. Back to the BBC experience. Um, Working for the BBC is a very coveted aspiration for every journalist in the world. How how did you enter the BBC yeah. service?
0: See, I, was, um, I would call it luck, because um, in 1981 I had applied for uh, a job at the Voice of America. I did my interviews, which were um, done at the Chambogo Technical Institute, I passed flying colors. I was supposed to join them in the summer, but it didn't happen because I traveled to go to the Congo and I was held up there for several months. Then my uh, position was given to someone else. I missed out on that opportunity. So I had given up about going abroad. So I was working on my Kampala when an opportunity surfaced. They came in with an FM pro, uh, project in Kampala. That is, okay. they came looking for me. They wanted yes. some uh, k- kind of stringer in Kampala, okay. and uh, they wanted me to do their job. I did it.
1: Okay. Later on,
0: they advertised all over East Africa. There were about 600 candidates, and I was one of the six from uh, Uganda, uh, Burundi and Tanzania and Kenya who got the jobs. There were six of us.
1: Um, How successful and influential is Swahili as a broadcasting language in reaching the ordinary African and other world audiences?
0: Now, um, I would talk of uh, East Africa because when I joined, there was uh, a program to reach a greater audience. That's when FM was coming in. And uh, my boss then, Carrie Blackman, was... um, Really working hard to make sure that uh, the FM stations are put in place all over, say in Uganda, we have one in Barara, we have Kampala, we have Lira and Bali and so on. So they wanted to expand and extend these FM uh, pro, uh, uh, transmitters to reach an, a greater audience. Yes. Okay. Then, um, that was one strategy and it was overtaken by events. The internet comes in. And the BBC thought and felt that possibly the internet is going to override and overtake radio. They invested into the internet and knowing that uh, the internet would be expensive in East Africa and it was slow at the time, very slow. But then they thought, well, there would be improvements and cut off the shortwave, which was giving us a greater audience from outside uh, the Congo. Zimbabwe, Zambia, and as far south as South Africa, because we had audiences from all over the continent. And we lost, of course, was this uh, getting rid of uh, the
1: shockwave. Um, you, you've talked about having audiences all over the continent. In some circles, BBC is seen to push the UK and the West's imperial agenda former president of Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe, and former president of Uganda, General Idi Amin, and many other African leaders once proclaimed this. Did you ever consider yourself as an unsuspecting agent of their agenda?
0: Sometimes it comes to mind. But then when you live in the UK, if you're living in the UK, and uh, you see... The uh, nature of get get used to good roads. I know every four weeks uh, my GP or the doctor they want me to go to the clinic to check up my health, which I don't have in Uganda. And um, I'm assured of my transport. I'm assured of my daily uh, feeding. I can feed my. I can take care of my family. Then the words from uh, these African presidents. Well if you call them, they will tell you these are dictators. are yeah. not looking at the real the, the points that uh, should make their country survive. You feel not as an agent, but you should be pushing that agenda to come and change things. Um, you should be maybe thinking of change, but then in the, at the same time you are pushing the agenda of the the colonial agenda
1: mm-hmm.
0: that uh, is working to leave the African downtrodden.
1: Interesting. C- can you cite particular programs that you did that were significantly important to Africa's social, economic, and political development?
0: On the political side, I'll say an agenda that I pushed was uh, to do with the education system. I thought, and I still believe, the curriculum, uh, curriculum for our schools is not the right one. We are pushing our children to learn so much, spend seven years of learning only a language, um, learning geography, history that does not really concern us and of no use whatsoever when you, you graduate, if you go through university. All those years are wasted learning a language. Um, I will give an instance of uh, the Far East, Singapore, Korea, China. They speak in they, they learn in their own languages and they are yes. doing very well, they are far away. Today, when you come to the African graduate, you mm-hmm. need about three degrees and get a master's. And still, yeah. they are only prestigious uh, documents that you're holding. Yes. They have not changed anything in Africa. They are only there for a white college job. Right now, there's so many universities that we have all over Uganda, and uh, none of the graduates will fit in to say they are going to manufacture this because much of what has been manufactured is in place but how innovative can we uh, be to our graduates or for the continent to benefit from our education mm-hmm. that is one agenda I pushed at the BBC mm-hmm. second I worked as a sports producer and I improved the sports agenda I added uh, sports on the BBC Swahili service daily program because we didn't have a, a sports a pro, a sport when I joined. I uh, pushed and we got one. Then I pushed and we had uh, weekend. Every weekend we had uh, uh, we covered the Premier League from London mm-hmm. and uh, at the same time that my department covered all the Africa Cup of Nations. Mm-hmm. I went to Ghana in 2000 I covered the Afghan. I yes. uh, started in Ghana, and we, that was held by Ghana and Nigeria. Okay. I ended up at the finals in uh, Nigeria, where I think Nigeria won. Okay. Um, uh, it was Cameroon, Nigeria, with uh, Sport Kids. Cameroon won in 2000. Since then, the BBC has been covering all those African. The BBC Swahili has been included in the agenda of a, a BBC World Service uh, sport.
1: I'm interested in knowing which team you are supporting as a journalist who covered sports.
0: <laughs> My team was Asma. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not
0: leaving Asma anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what would you say are Africa's major afflictions that are common to BBC's coverage?
0: I would say poverty, war, <laughs> conflict, disease, and seemingly lack of uh, a sense of direction for instance. Uh, if you go to the rural areas, you are attracted by lack of services, like uh, water. Um, where, I am, where I have a farm, very deep in the, the getting water is not easy. The water pond that is close to me has very, very dirty water that is undrinkable, but then that's what the people around me or the, well, the husband, the farmers have. That is the nearest. So these are things that attract the BBC to come in and try to question why in 2000, 60 years after independence, we're still lagging. We cannot even lay pipes to pump water to our communities. So they're going to pay. Um, In the urban centers, the water standards are very low. It's undrinkable. Whereas uh, I would drink water from a tap in London, I think, can, I I can. Why is that? These are things that really attract us to come and mm. cover mm. and ask ourselves why. And the questions are, when you get on, to, on the ground
1: mm. and
0: find out these uh, uh, shortcomings, mm. you want the audience to answer. And that's how you do the program.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Um, as a journalist, can you, can you cite some solutions to these problems?
0: I would say um, my solutions as a journalist, yeah, that's what we've been working on. As journalists. you put it on air so that the leaders and the WANANG can get to grips with what you're talking about. Because you've been on the ground covered, you talk to the people, what they think about their lack of uh, water. And then you put it to the leaders. Sometimes you meet them, you ask them what they think, they'll tell you they have shortages of this, shortages of that, and that is up to the leadership. Uh, What are their priorities? And every 10 years, there is uh, an issue like that. You meet them in uh, Brussels, seeking funds to improve on the water system. And 10 years later, same crowd, because they were always going to contingencies of uh, 20 to 40 people to go and sign one document in Brussels water and sewage system which doesn't work where the money goes but but, uh, it's a pity we might uh, leave this world without witnessing any progress though we have made efforts to highlight these uh, uh, these disasters in making lack Mm -hmm. of water to me is a disaster so it's unfortunate that even journalism has not been able to pursue the agenda of solving that issue water shortages, diseases. You look at the hospitals um, 60 years after independence and wonder why we are still having those colonial uh, the, what the British left us. Uh, left the population then was about 4 million. Today we are 47 million and we are still uh, backing on those these hospitals for 4 million people. We have not built anymore and the plans have been there. The reasons we have had again get um, the discomfort of War conflicts tribalism, okay, has uh, rendered itself very useless.
1: That's very revealing. Um, journalism is a wonderful experience. Any funny, interesting moments you had while working at the BBC? Yeah,
0: I had to do. Sometimes I was first of all, I introduced the program, uh, music and culture, in the Swahili. And I visited um, so many towns in East, East Af- Eastern Central Africa. Uh, but we're looking for cultural music, uh, uh, dramatists, or so call them comedians, and uh, that was fun. Visiting towns that I've never been to, learning about the culture of uh, the people in Tanga or Malindi areas that I visited. Go to Zanzibar and see the similarities in culture. They have some differences, they speak the same language, but then you learn more about the people when you visit them. That okay. was fun to me. Then you go to places like uh, Australia and the Aborigines, you dig deeper into the Aborigines, and there is something similar to our cultures back home. Uh, they depend on herbs, they depend on and that It is related to our cultures and our people. That was really fun to me.
1: Okay. There's a Zimbabwe singer who sang Hearing Only Bad News from Africa. Did you have sad moments?
0: Very many times. Very many times. When the the bombing of uh, the two cities, Nairobi and Dar es Salaam happened, I was in London. That really touched me, seeing how people suffer. And then it wasn't their fault because somebody was attacking the Americans in East Africa. That was sad then the um, sad situation in zimbabwe hearing bad news is not uh the bbc is making it. it's the sad news that is happening and we have to cover it the uh, devastation of the mozambican uh, when they had this uh, uh the death of uh, samora Michelle, I yes that was one
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: the floods in mozambique where no African country could come in to help. Uh, people hanging on the trees, others uh, drowning. That was sad. But then, we had to do a coverage of that because we had the wheel, we had the, uh, the manpower. The BBC has to cover that mm-hmm. instead of uh, relying on uh, how would the Ugandan find out or know uh, what is happening in Mozambique if we didn't have the know-how, the technology to have satellite uh, pictures from the floods and getting closer to the people that was something that to in one way i would say the bbc uh weekends where well, is a solution in one way or the other to so many calamities that are happening worldwide not only in africa but they play a big role in africa so 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 so, so big a role we cannot ignore them
1: indeed those were sad moments in them um Kidi, can you comment about the growth of BBC's audience in Africa, comparing it to the explosion of broadcasting and podcasting on the continent? Will the BBC sustain its relevance as a world radio?
0: Yeah, well, there is um this explosion, as you call it, of broadcasting and podcasting. I've been in Uganda for quite a while now, and uh, the broadcasting culture has But um, I don't know whether it will give me gives me pleasure to listen to what the TVs or radio are announcing because I hear a lot of noise on the radio. Um, There's a lot of inexperience or lack of care Uh, these radio stations. Everybody is a celebrity. There is um, lack of seriousness at what they are doing. Okay, they've. taking a big chunk of the BBC's audience. But again, when you fall back to, well, when you listen to all this uh, gibberish, on the daily broadcast from uh, one radio station to another, they are over 100, yeah. you listen to TV. Um, why do they have uh, what I would call sitting heads, audiences? Every night they are discussing and discussing and discussing. I want a discussion that will give me a solution. But, um, if we keep on discussing this issue and that issue, uh, what happened to the general who has, uh, murdered the, the, theft, it's political, more political.
1: Yes.
0: There are no solutions. Uh, why is that so? So, uh, to me, you would have to go back to the international uh, broadcasters. The BBC is well established. It will keep on pushing and, because they have the resources to go on. And then you listen to all this, but again, you'll go to the BBC to get um, a balanced diet of your uh, the news
1: intake. How about the invasion of social media on the professional broadcasting space? Does it spell doom or hope for the ordinary radio program listener as well as the program producer?
0: I think in the future, it will be up to the list because, unfortunately, the, uh, the rates at which the internet can be acquired in Uganda, say, if you buy MVs, one MV to listen to or follow up on well, whatever they, uh, the, the chat is about. Yes. If it's political, clear, these small clips that won't give you much. But then you'll have to go back to radio to get... Um, what the state says, yeah. Sure. if it's an objection to a story that has been, uh, broadcast on social media, you go back to the radio and listen to what the minister or the president is uh, reacting to such a story. So radio will have its importance. It will continue to have its importance mm-hmm. until there comes a serious debate and sit and uh, maybe regulate these, uh, the social media because I don't think it has a future. If it's uh, not regulated, it will be a disaster to let it continue the way it is unabated.
1: Interesting. Um, young, Young people look up to you as a possible mentor in quality broadcast journalism. Would you suggest a BBC model or the ad lib, unscripted and comedic, and DJ entertaining mode of passing on information common to FM radio? in Africa today?
0: Mm, I would suggest a BBC model. Against all of these sadly uh, uh unscripted comedy Comedies. because there's nothing I've seen interesting or well, l- watching them as a critic. Yeah. I would think they are they will jump off for the professional track and move off uh, move on to well, stay their own because at the BBC, I'm not supposed to give my opinion, although if it's professional, yes, it's professional, and I can defend it and court kind that is all right. But if I ask words that are not right, then that is jumping the gun. Yeah. And this is what is uh, happening uh, with the, uh, so many of the FMs. Everybody comes up with an opinion. Everybody is uh, master, is a specialist in so many things. Mm-hmm. which is not acceptable by any standards. I need to hear from a professor who knows about economics to come and discuss the economics on TV. I would like to see a sports specialist come in and discuss football. But everybody, anybody from left to right cannot satisfy me that they have the knowledge, the know-how, the expertise to discuss an issue and conclude and satisfy me who is their client
1: what final word of hope do you give to the journalist trainer and learner on the african continent there's a lot of hope
0: also yes. if i was uh if i was a trainer today like uh, people in your at your school I would look to the future with a lot of hope because during my time, we had Radio Uganda, there was competition, and if you were lucky to get there, then salary was low. Now um, you can dictate your salaries, you can specialize, you can be anything in journalism because the scope is wider. And if you are good and really focused to a young journalist today, the sky is the limit. And you can, there is so much in journalism that you can do wherever you want. And travel is always a part of the job. So they should have hope. They should live and um, embrace journalism okay. and very, as their very best choice in life.
1: Anyway. Well, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure to host you on our podcast program. Hope Talks for Stories of Transformation. Thank you so much, Eid. You're
0: welcome. Thank you very much for hosting me.
1: Mm. I have been your host, Kefa Senoga. Goodbye.
0: Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope
1: that your day is filled with hope.